Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey everybody, thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am your disabled dreamboat, your disability awareness consultant, and of course, your number one queer cripple, Andrew Gerza, and I'm excited to talk about sex and disability with you today on this episode. We're in episode number 93, and that's incredible. We're almost at 100. I can't even believe it. I'm sitting here in my sweltering apartment on the first day of July recording this, thinking, holy fuck, it's episode 93. That means we've almost been on for a year and a half. I mean, we have already, but we've almost been on for 100 full episodes. That's awesome! I'm so excited that it's gotten this far, and thank you so, so much for listening. So, this episode, I want to do it all about Pride, because Pride Month, all across the world, just ended yesterday, and I've been having some feelings about Pride Month since Pride Month started, that I have been kind of sharing on social media in, like, around the month, but I haven't really done a full episode about it because I didn't know if I really had the spoons to put my feelings down. And I had a lo- I have a lot of feelings about pride, some that make me a little bit uncomfortable and some that make me a little bit angry and that I wasn't sure how to navigate all that. And so now that it's finally done and all, all of my obligations with pride are done and my work with pride is done for now, um, with respect to my job, well, it's a little bit done. There's more, a few more things I'm going to do, but the main month is done. Now that, now that it's all done, I'm actually able to talk to you about it. Um, it came to, the Pride Month came to a close last night. And as we know, it's a month that's meant to celebrate the fabulousness of being queer and the fabulousness of who you are and the fabulousness of being part of this vibrant community and all these things are amazing. And, you know, all of these brands are celebrating celebrated Pride all last month, changed their logos to the Pride logo, and it's supposed to be a month where we celebrate our differences as queer people, but I feel like that apply, that only applies if you're not marginalized, and especially only applies if you are not a disabled person. So I'm calling the episode Pride While Disabled, because I wanted it to just be simple, and I wanted to just dive right in. Look, I've always had a tenuous relationship with this idea of pride as a whole. I've loved the ideology of pride and what it's supposed to stand for, but as a disabled person, I've always kind of felt necessary to keep my distance from pride and to not really participate and not really be a part of it because it just wasn't something for me. The honest truth of it is when someone has said happy pride and they've been saying Happy Pride to me all month, by the way. You'll see somebody on the street around the village and they'll go, Happy Pride! Or you'll talk to a queer person online and they'll type, Happy Pride! And every single time I see or hear that, 
I kind of turn into this Bah Humbug Scrooge-like character, but because it's pride, I guess we can call it Bah Cum Bug. <laughs> that, was, that was dorky, I know. I immediately want to, when someone says that to me, when someone says, Happy Pride, I immediately want to be like, Hey, Pride is only a happy occasion for you because you're privileged. Grumble, grumble, fuck you! You say Happy Pride because you you want to act like you give a shit about anyone who is marginalized, but really, you don't. When I hear Happy Pride, that's what's going on in my head. I'm thinking, you don't care about disabled people. You don't care about disabled queers. You're just saying that because it's the trendy thing to say as a queer person right now. But you don't really care about me. It's all because of your privilege. So yeah, the words Happy Pride are certainly triggering for me. So I've been anti-Pride for a lot of years, not because I don't support the ideology, of course I do, but I don't support that queers with disabilities don't have a space in these in these places and aren't given a full platform to be celebrated here, and it really, really bothers me, so I've just decided that it's better for me to stay away and not be a part of it, and it just feels safer and sexier to not be a part of Pride at all, really, quite frankly. I just don't feel like... Pride or the organization of Pride, especially in Toronto, has done anything to support me and support, really support, queer people with disabilities in Pride. Um, and I think that needs to change. And there are some great contingents around the world that have done stuff for disabled people in Pride, which I'll highlight later, but in Toronto especially, and for me especially, not enough has been done, and simply... Simply giving us space in the parade is one thing, but if we can't access the bars afterwards or do anything around Pride afterwards, then are we really included? I remember my very first Pride back in 2007. That's like almost 12 years ago now. I marched with my mom. She got in a spot in the parade with her, with my family's music company. She knew somebody in Toronto Pride who, or she paid for a spot in the parade and she was like Andrew you have to come march and I came down from my my university town and I marched with her and I remember how nervous I was to do it I remember thinking oh my god not only was I nervous to march with my mom who you know is amazing because you've listened to episode 65 but I was nervous to be around other queer people in the parade I was nervous to be to do that because I already knew that I wouldn't feel included and I already knew that I would feel ostracized I wanted to go into really participate but there was this nervousness within me and my 23 year old self when I marched that was really there this like fear of like being ostracized by this community and I remember as we marched in the throngs of people it was a really hot day it was really really hot and we were we were like in a sea of individuals behind like all these 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 lithe the muscular dudes and I remember looking around these dudes and not seeing anybody else with a disability there, not seeing anyone else who looked like me in this parade. And it was really, it really, really bothered me, and it stuck with me. Even amidst all the excitement and all the hope that I would have somebody suck my D on the parade route, which was really a hope that I had, I really did wish that, like, I would just be there and some dude would come over and, like, start making out with me and suck my dick. Even though my mom was there, I was secretly hoping that something dirty and scandalous like that would happen. Of course, it never did. But even with all my excitement, I knew that not seeing another disabled person in the parade was a problem. And it bothered me that I didn't see anybody at a huge event like this like me. And that was 
like 12 years ago and we're still having conversations like this about pride we're still having talks about how disabled people need to be included 12 years later it's really really sad that we haven't and pride hasn't seen how important it is to for inclusion given that these parades are meant to be about inclusion and about togetherness why the fuck are we not more included Sorry, it gets me a little bit riled up and I'm a little bit pissed off about it because I've had these feelings bottled up about pride for a good month now and now is my like cathartic moment to get it all out so I'm sorry that I'm vomiting my queer cripple anger all over you right now but that's how I feel about it. Why are prides so still not bringing in disabled people to make, to make an effort to be more inclusive? Like plant us there. Tell us that you want us to be part of a disabled float. Do something, even if it's minimal, to make sure that we have a space. And so a couple of years later, my friend contacted me and said, do you want to be part of Pride Toronto's accessibility team? And I immediately jumped at that because I was like, yeah, if we can make Pride Toronto better, I'm totally there for that. I'm totally down for that. Sure, of course. Please, like, yes, please. Sure. And so I joined them for a little bit and our job was to go around the village before pride and talk to businesses about how to make their establishments more accessible for pride and i was like that's it's that's important that's that's part of what i wanted to do and and the ways to make things more accessible are to have those conversations with these queer businesses and i was down for that so i hung on and did that for a few years but that didn't really work for me because all we did was tell pride committees common sense things about disabilities that they should know like oh you should make the pathways more accessible you should have braille options available etc um we tell them all these things and it was really common sense and these are things that that pride committee should have figured out on their own um and there was nothing really celebratory about being on this committee there was nothing really fun about being on this committee we weren't we've i always felt like we were the 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 like lesser cousin of pride who went in and told them what they had to do but we didn't really get to enjoy or be a part of the fun part of pride like if we were the accessibility team why the fuck didn't we get to march is my question also it really irked me that the accessibility team of pride was run and is still run by the way by a non-disabled person there are disabled people on the team obviously but the head of this this pride team is a non-disabled individual. What the fuck? They should be disabled. So I eventually left them and said I don't want to be a part of this anymore. Like thanks, keep going, but I'm not going to I'm not going to be a part of this group anymore right now. I'm going to I'm going to branch off and do my own thing and not really focus on pride so much because I was getting annoyed by the ableism that I was encountering within the organization. And a couple years ago my friend um, said let's let's approach Pride and talk to them about having attendant care at the parade. It's really really important that people with disabilities who go to big parades have attendant care so that if they have to pee or do something at this big event, they have somebody with them. And a lot of times, people with disabilities can't simply grab an attendant and go to a parade. So we thought, why not see if Pride Toronto would hire attendant care for the for the parade for a couple hours so that people could, could flag them down and say, hey, I have to pee. Can we do that? So my friend and I put together a proposal, sent it to Pride Toronto. They came to my house. The Pride Toronto rep representative came to my house and 
talk to us about it. It seemed like they were into it. And then when it came down to the wire, they refused. Emails were sent back and forth. The, the attending care company was contacted and almost contracted out. But then they then tried Toronto, dropped the ball, and refused. Why? That sends a giant message to anybody who's disabled going to any pride that their needs to use the bathroom are not viable. I was also told that they can't hire somebody, they can't hire attendants because of its liability. So they're more worried about getting sued than helping somebody out who's disabled who might need to pee at their parade. Wow. So much for inclusion. And I mean, let's look at the financials of this a little bit. With the corporatization of Pride by a number of companies bringing in money, millions and millions of dollars, for instance, $6 million in Toronto's 2016 Pride Festival. So with all that money coming in from these companies, you're telling me you couldn't use a little bit to ensure that disabled people have attendant care? That's not right. That's really wrong. And really makes me dislike the idea of Pride even more. Another story I have is that a couple years ago, back in like 2013, uh, maybe 20, it was 2015, 2015, I met with the director of Toronto Pride. I asked to meet with him to see if I could get a larger disability component at the festival. So I trundled all the way downtown to meet the guy. At the time, I didn't live in the city center. I lived about an hour and a half north, but I live downtown now, but I didn't then. So I went all the way down to meet him at one of the local queer coffee houses. And he met me, and he was very polite, and we chatted about the things, and he placated me and said, Oh, yes, oh, yes, disability is deserved a pride. Yes, yes, of course. But after 25 minutes, he up and left, and nothing was ever done. He never contacted me, was never available, never really considered what I said, and I never heard from him again. These kinds of actions from Pride's executive director speak volumes about how we're not doing enough, and it sent a large message to me that proved that Pride Toronto doesn't care about disabled people and doesn't really know how to do stuff like that. And while, I, while I'm happy to, to work with them, that instance with the director who has... The, the directorship has changed hands since then. But that action of, of taking a meeting and then running away was really, really super disrespectful and showed that you don't really think about disability. You're just trying to say the right thing and the right buzzwords to get me off your back. I think around the same the same time, Pride Toronto was doing a marketing campaign called You Can Sit With Us. So it had a bunch of queer people in really bright, colorful photos sitting with each other laughing and smiling. It was a really nice campaign. Admittedly, I was out of town during the initial marketing campaigns. When I got home, I got the Pride Guide in my mailbox, and I saw it in my mailbox, and I, I, I leafed through, and I noticed that there was not one picture of one disabled person in this marketing campaign. Not one. So when I got home, I called them, and I said, I, I noted this to them, and said, hey, I don't really see any visibly disabled people in your campaign here. Um, so I asked if I could do a quick photo shoot to ensure representation, just do something quick to put it around in the, on social media or something. And the rep I spoke to said there was nothing they could do to help me and hung up on me rather abruptly. So I wasn't super keen about that. And again, it sent me a large message that you don't know how to deal with disabled people as an organization, Pride Toronto, and that's troubling. 
Again, this is not all prides, and I, I'm focusing on Pride Toronto because I live here, but I'm sure other prides have have an ineptitude around disability, and we need to fo- we need to focus in on that and find a way to change that and bring disability and celebrating disability and queerness to the forefront. It shouldn't just be about accessibility. It needs to be about celebration, too. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So we'll do that, and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Laura Bain, partially blind and partially cool in Halifax, and I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. And we're back. Thank you so much to Come As You Are for sponsoring the show. It's amazing. They do amazing work talking about sex sex and disability where they can, and they've been a sponsor from the beginning, and I want to thank them for, for their support. If you are listening and you know somebody who might want to sponsor this little program, I want to do an ad for you and, and have you as a sponsor. So I would love to find a way to reach out to you if you're a disability company, if you're just a company that wants to support discussions of disability, let me know and let's find a way for you to be a sponsor of Disability After Dark. Also, I want to thank the individuals who do the ads for me. If you want to do an ad for the show, send it, send a 20 to 30 second voice clip saying, Hi, my name is so-and-so and I listen to Disability After Dark. Uh, send that to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and we'll have you as a voice clip on the show. Also, big shout out to all the Patreons who put their hard-earned dollars towards this show once a month. Thank you so, so much. And if you want to pledge to the Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash content. But now, back to the show. Okay, so before we get right into Pride Well Disabled, I want to mention, remember I was talking last week about the celebrities who I think are really hot and who I'd love to fuck? I've been watching a lot of Graham Norton recently on YouTube, and Graham Norton is a really popular British... Uh, celebrity talk show over there and Graham Norton is giving me hot as fuck daddy vibes I just think he's so sexy in this weird sort of daddy kind of way does anybody else watch Graham Norton and think he's like hot as fuck because Graham Norton can ride my disabled dick all night long just wanted to throw that out there Okay, so not really sure how I'm going to segue from that one, but here we are. Um, So, then this year, I was nominated by someone in Toronto to be the Grand Marshal of Pride 2018 Parade, which means that you kind of leave the parade down the street and and you get to do a big press junket with all the press. Um, And I was super honored to be nominated, so I applied for that. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. A friend of mine that does work around 
queer men of color in the city gets it, and it's an amazing cause that he he works for. So I I was like, oh, that's a great thing. So then Pride Toronto said to me like, look, you didn't win, but we'll give you two free tickets to everything. And I said, okay, great. You can mail me the tickets at my address, and I sent it to them. And it's now July 1st after Pride, and I still have yet to receive the tickets for Pride that's now finished. So, like, seriously, Pride Toronto, get it together. Why would you send free tickets to somebody, or why would you offer free tickets to somebody and then not follow through? Also, it would have been so amazing to have to have a queer, disabled person marshal the Toronto Pride Parade. And so I'm really hoping to apply again because it's such an honor to know that my work is making some kind of difference and is being recognized that way in the city. So whoever nominated me in Toronto, if you're listening, thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate it. And even though I didn't win, I'm going to strive to get myself to be the marshal of a pride parade at some point. It's, it's such an honor to know that even though there's a lot of fucked up ableist things with the organization of pride, that my work is somewhere making a difference. So this year I was asked to be part of two Pride celebrations. I was asked to be part of the smaller Pride in the town where I grew up, just north of Toronto. And the and then I was asked to be part of the Toronto Pride celebrations with my good friend and former guest of the show, Scott Jones. If you go back to episode 86, you can hear the awesome episode where we came up with the word cocksultant together. He asked me to march with him as part of his group, and I was more than honored to do that. So I want to tell you what those two experiences meant for me as your number one queer cripple. So the smaller pride in the little small town close to where I grew up, my mom was there. My mom was kind of, she she knows all the organizers, and she said, oh my God, Andrew, we'll get you in the parade, and we'll get you on a float. And she she got a truck for her, music stuff to go in this float, and she had made sure that I was on a float front and center, so we spent that afternoon a couple of weeks ago getting dressed up and doing that, like, she had boas and wigs and awesome things to dress me up with, and she loves to do this, and I love to oblige her, because she likes to, when she thinks of gay stuff, she thinks of, like, colors and boas and wigs and, like, like really, really, like, flamboyant gay things, and I always love to to indulge her, because it allows me to relax with the mask for mask shit that I'm constantly bombarded with as a disabled person and needing to be super masculine as a, as a gay man, um, as a queer man, rather. And sh- when I put a bow on, all of those fears go away, and I know how ridiculous I look, but I don't care. So we were, we were you know, mustering around the parade route, and she, was, she came with boas, and we dressed up and had a good laugh, and it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun, and... Uh, I think it's really, really important because, especially to have me on the float, because disabled people are very rarely seen as spectacles on floats, and to be up there and for people to see me as one of the only disabled people in this parade was extremely validating. When I was on the float, I only saw one other visibly disabled person, so I was one of two, and it was really, really kind of empowering to be there. And I mean, I mean, I expected to be one of two in this small town, but even in Toronto, I only saw that I was one of two visibly disabled people in the parade that I saw in Toronto as well. So those numbers need to grow and change, definitely. In the smaller parade, I also really appreciated it because it was only, it was over and done. The march was over and done in about 
30 minutes, and when you're disabled, a whole lot of marching on a hot day can be extremely difficult and extremely tiring. So, and you might think, Andrew, you're, you're a wheelchair user. Like, what do you mean you, it was tiring for you? All you have to do is use your finger and, and drive your chair and march. But you'd be surprised how tiring just sitting down and pushing a chair and waiting to move can actually be. So, to be done in, in 30 minutes and be on a float was great because I didn't have to exert any major energy to do that and I got to be as a disabled person on a float. I think that's really 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 the most big takeaway of that small parade. I, a disabled queer person, was in the parade noticed on a float. Take note Toronto and other pride organizations that don't have disabled queers on floats. Take notes. It is possible. It's not hard. My mom did it in about 10 minutes with the one guy and a ramp. We did it. It's totally doable. So other prides can figure that out. And then on the other night, on Friday, this past Friday on the recordings of the 29th of June, I hosted a, I, I was I was part of a, the, the pride, the, the, the Newmarket Pride wrap-up, um, the Newmarket is the small town, but I was part of the Newmarket Pride wrap-up at one of the local restaurants. There was a dinner and a drag show, and my mom was there. It was so cute. She was there handing out flyers to people <laughs> at dinner. So pe- people were sitting down having dinner, getting their meals at this restaurant, and whether they were part of Pride or not, I don't know, but they were doing... They were at this restaurant, and so they're eating, and they're having their food, and it's all, all good. And then my mom <laughs> my mom told me to come with my big sign and stuff to talk about those sex toys and to get, you know, to get money for that research we're doing. Again, if you want to if you want to go to our GoFundMe, it's GoFund, it's um, deliciouslydisabled.ca and click on the donate button, and you can donate whatever you can do and tell your friends and spread the word and share it on social media. But anyway, so... I was there promoting that, and she was handing out flyers for that, and she was telling all these dinner-goers about my sex toy thing, and the looks she got from some people were so funny, and so it was just really nice to see my mom supporting this and to see her handing out flyers saying, Hi, this is my son Andrew, and he's he's trying to make the first line of sex toys for people with disabilities from scratch, and so, um... Here's a flyer and have your dinner and thank you. It was just really, really, it was really, really cute. So, so I really enjoy the small town pride thing. I really enjoy. There's something really sweet about small town prides. A little bit more. I think they're a little bit more important than bigger prides because they. There's a lot of history of like small town bigotry against queerness. So, so when I see small town parades that want to support disability and want to support diversity, truly. I think it's really, really empowering. And then about a week later, there was Toronto Pride. I wasn't planning to go at all again this year, given all the issues and troubles that can it can be just to get to get to a big parade. As a disabled person, can be really hard with all the traffic and the planning and all the stuff. On top of which, all the ableism that I would have to deal with, I just didn't want to go. I had no desire to actually go. But then Scott Jones messaged me and said, "I really want you to come." Would you join us? Um, and I didn't even have to think about it because I thought, when another queer disabled person asks you to march with them for anything, you do it. No questions asked. Because solidarity, togetherness, and and 
I love what he's doing and what he stands for, and he supports me, so we have to be there for each other. And I immediately said yes. I changed my plans around and said I will be there for you. What do I have to do? And so we were having a brunch beforehand. He was having a brunch with some people, and he was like, do you want to come for that? And I said, yeah, okay, sure. And I texted him about 70 million times beforehand, asking him if it were okay if his friends would help me with my signs and would help me change my shirt for the parade and would help me with coats if I needed it. I was really nervous because I don't go to brunches a lot. I don't like do queer Sunday brunch or anything. We should do queer cripple Sunday brunch. Queer cripple seated Sunday brunch. Somebody should figure that out. Queers love brunch. Anybody who wants to have a queer cripple Sunday, queer cripple seated Sunday brunch with me, let me know. Um, but I don't really hang around a lot of non-disabled queers or do brunch or or non-disabled people in general too, too much. And I get really, really nervous about ableism and I get really, really nervous about being in the way and I didn't want to alienate his friends or anything. So I asked him a bunch of times if it was okay and he kept reassuring me that it would be all right, that we'd figure it out, they'd help me. Because I, I wasn't going to, I'm not able to bring an attendant care worker with me. So... He reassured me that everything would be fine. He, his friends were amazing and super helpful. Uh, in the morning of the parade last weekend, it was super stormy. It was rainy everywhere in Toronto. And I was certain that the parade wouldn't happen, or at least that my participation in the parade wouldn't happen because, again, water plus wheelchairs equals that's not a good idea. So luckily the rain stopped just before the parade, and about 30-plus of us got ready to march, and we, they were the people were so awesome there. And again, I feel it's important to mention that Scott and I were the only two visibly identified wheelchair users within our group. Um, so there may have been other individuals with different levels of disability, but we were the only visibly disabled people there using wheelchairs. Um, I also brought a giant sign that said, let's talk about sex and disability, and I put it on the back of my chair, and I and when we marched, while the, while I marched with the group, I also stayed a few feet behind my, with the sign, and I marched on my own. And I sort of felt like my own float in the parade, and it was sort of awesome. It was really cool to have one of the only signs in the parade that mentioned sex and disability, and I felt that was also really, really important. And this big parade, to have a sign that said, let's talk about sex and disability, was a big deal. And as I was going down the parade route, people were seeing me and yelling out, Oh my god, you were on One Girl 5Ks! Wow, hi! And so I sort of felt like a D-list celebrity in the parade, and that was kind of fun. And also I did see some individuals with disabilities like looking at the parade in their mobility devices, and that was important too. Um, and then the coolest thing happened ever. As we are going, we heard, we'd all heard that the cast of... Shit's Creek was going to be there, and I am in fucking love with Dan Levy so much. He's hot as fuck, and I just, I love him. His character on that show is amazing, and he's, he's just really, really sexy. So we knew, we all knew he was going to be there, and I had seen him around kind of the parade route, and I didn't want, he was, I think they were behind us, and I didn't want to bother him and be that be annoying, so I didn't say much. I had tweeted him, I had tweeted out to him here and there, but I never heard much back because he's, you know, Dan Levy and I'm me. So I didn't want to be weird like that. Um, and then at the end of the parade, my friend said, he's right over there. Do you want me to go grab him and we'll 
take a picture. And I was like, oh, God, I'm so nervous. Like, oh, wow. And he, Dan Levy came over and shook my hand and said hello. And we took a picture, which is so nice. Um, but I just think he's amazing. And he's a celebrity that I would totally love to hang out with and get to know and maybe, like, totally flirt with. Um, he was really, really cool to see him there. And, you know, we're both MTV, MTV Canada alums, so I guess I'm famous now? Also, weird side note, I was talking to my sister the other day, and she was like, oh, I saw your picture of Dan Levy. Does he swing both ways or just for your team? And I said, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know why. And my, my sister goes, because he's so hot. So, sister dearest, Heather, you may have some competition because I'm going to get him. He's totally mine. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it was funny that my sister and I bonded over the hotness that is Dan Levy. So now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the ableism around Pride Parades that I, that's been in the news recently. Um, if you've been following me on Facebook or social media or, or anybody with a disability who's queer on social media, you may have heard of recently of the famous Stonewall Inn denying somebody with a disability, denying them entry because of their guide dog. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that story now. When this story broke, it was everywhere. It's about Lynn Zelvin, who is 58, blind and queer, and despite a desire for community, rarely frequents LGBTQ bars or spaces. Zelvin, who uses pronouns they and them, has lived in New York for nearly 40 years and prefers local dive bars down the block from their apartment in Upper Manhattan. Zelvin uses a guide dog, a short, stocky, 55-pound black lab named Shadow, to get around. Oh, Shadow! Um... So on June 1st, Lynn was approached by the double, sorry, Lynn approached the double door entrance of the historic Stonewall Inn with friends, Isabella Kalish, Elena Gibbs, and of course, Shadow. Zelvin had been to the historic bar on Christopher Street once before and hadn't encountered any issues. After providing ID to the bouncer, Zelvin was asked to produce a card for the guide dog, which is a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act which states no paperwork is needed for the entrance of a service animal and was consequently refused entrance. Zelvin says they just felt numb and they've been through this sort of thing before and they just felt bad for their friends. They, they didn't want to be caused trouble and they wanted to just go out to the bar and have a night in. Um, their friend recorded the incident in a 10-minute video that was later posted on YouTube and Twitter. You should all watch it because it's important. In the recording... Zelvin wants to speak to the manager and ask for the manager, and they were told that they were told that they don't care that it's illegal that they were doing this. They don't want a dog in the bar. Um, so you know, Stonewall, one of the most iconic gay bars in the world, denying somebody with a disability speaks volumes of the issues around marginalization within our community, and it's really, really disgusting, quite frankly. The bar, of course, responded eventually, saying, you know, it, it was it employs a third-party security contractor and insists that everybody with the bar understands the laws regarding service dogs. Why would you... You better have fired that third-party contractor Stonewall in, because that's really disgusting, and I don't think... And, you know, I heard there was an update that they're going to hold training for both the public and for the employees to talk about disability in that community. 
But the fact that it happened in the first place and continues to happen in places where it's not reported is really problematic and really, really needs to change. And right after that happened and right after that broke, I posted something on Twitter that I'll share with you now. I posted, let me get it, hang on. Here it is, Queer Crip PSA on June 10th, I wrote, Queer Crip PSA, if, quote, love is love, like you all keep saying, this hashtag Pride Month, you let disabled queers into gay establishments with their mobility devices and guide dogs, and you'd stop treating us like subhumans when we tried to flirt or talk to you. I was just really mad about it, and if Lynn Zalvin is listening and wants to talk to me about Pride, or if you are a disabled person who's had issues at Pride and you want to do that for a minute so, please let me know. It's important that we hear these stories. But we're not done yet. Something kind of gross at another queer bar happened the other day. And I want to share that with you too. So a queer bar in West Hollywood, Flaming Saddles, was under fire because they one of their, two of their bouncers denied a person with disability entry saying if... You are disabled. You shouldn't come to Pride. This erupted all over social media, and people, rightfully so, were very angry about this. And when I heard about this, I had just had enough. I was like, wow, this is two incidents at prominent queer bars during Pride Month, the month of inclusion where people are being constantly denied entry to queer spaces. That's really horrible and really, really unacceptable. And when I... I, start, I started talking about it on social media. The uh, the owner of one of the bars in, in West Hollywood messaged me back and sent me a really, really super ableist message, which I would like to share with you now. He messaged me saying, Andrew, my name is blank, and I will assist in any conversation about such behavior, which we would never allow. We have done a full investigation, and the accusation is false. Okay, let's pause right there. You're not a disabled person, therefore you don't know what is false and what is true. And your staff would, of course, deny that they were ableist because they don't want to get in trouble. So how dare you say it's false? You don't know what you're talking about. And you're just, you are not a disabled person, so you don't know what is happening there. And how I know this person's not disabled is because he continues and says, we will do... We will do everything to make damn sure it will it will never happen. We are always welcoming to our disabled brothers and sisters. Ew, you don't know us. Don't call me your disabled brother and make sure the staff you're hiring are doing the right thing. And you are not disabled, therefore you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what ableism feels like. Don't do it. Make sure you fire that staff. How dare you say the accusation that somebody was denied entry into a, a West Hollywood queer bar during Pride is false. You're not disabled. You don't know. I just get super angry that these places for inclusion say this stuff and then they then they backpedal so hard because they, they clearly made a mistake. But rather than owning up to it, they tried so hard to defend their actions and, and say that they're the... this this guy continued on social media in in a in a thread saying that they are totally the most handicap accessible bar in West Hollywood and they would never do anything like this. Like shut the fuck up, realize your staff made a mistake and fix it. 
I want to quickly mention that San Francisco Pride had a disability contingent and had a bunch of disabled people marching in their mobility devices this past Pride. I saw pictures. It was amazing. It looked great. Uh, that's really, really awesome. And I'm glad they ensured that disabled people had a place in Pride. I know in um, Sydney, Australia's Mardi Gras, they have disabled people marching, which is fantastic. I think they have, I think in Sydney, disabled people have their own float, which is really great. Um, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think sometimes it happens in New York, too. I'm not sure if it happened this year, but I know sometimes it's happened there as well. There have been some amazing articles this month that have come out about pride, disability, and inclusion, which I'll post in the show notes. They're really, really important, and you should all read them. Um, I just think we need to do more to make pride properly accessible and to also make the parties after the parade accessible as well because, sure, marching is fun, but maybe all I want to do is go to the bar and, and flirt and go to the bar and get my dick sucked, and these events should be accessible to us. And also, there should be pride fundraisers to make sure that these spaces are accessible in all the ways. And on the weird, on a a brief flip side, we also have disability pride marches. We've had a few of them in Toronto. And I do sort of wish that disability pride marches would take a small page out out of queer pride marches and make them a little bit more colorful. I've been to a few disability pride marches and it's all about solidarity and our rights and blah blah but it's so somber and so serious there's no fun or celebration around disability so if we're gonna march for disabled people we can also do so while having fun too so i think disability pride marches that focus solely on disability need to look to make their their march more colorful and more fun and maybe combine the two and the last disability pride march that i went to was in the winter and I froze my ass off. So maybe we could have them in the summertime and with a little bit more color, we could take a page from each other's parades and maybe work together. Just a thought. But uh, I think that's all I have to say about disability and pride. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again for the next one. Thanks so much for listening. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, You help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark.
Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018